This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now. Hi, Hi friends. You're back. I'm back. Glad you're back. Feeling much better. What was wrong with you? Uh, First of all, thank you for holding on the fort. You know, it really sucks. Doing what we do, you don't have a lot of time to like, if if you're going to call in sick, if you will, there's not a lot of time to prepare that person that you're on air with, with you calling in sick if it happens overnight, which happened to me Tuesday into Wednesday. I I don't know if it's something I ate. I don't want to call food poisoning, but I did go out to eat for lunch that day. Oh, really? And I felt off the moment I was, when I was eating it. So was it a quick flu thing? I don't know, because I felt, I shouldn't... Listen to me. I felt fine other than the fact that I was puking my guts out all night. Really? That bad? It was bad. I I got I was sick like three or four times in the night, Tuesday to Wednesday. Anyway, you don't need to know details about my puke saga. All the demons were attempting to escape my body, basically. Some of them managed to, the others I kept. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Some demons are fun. Let's I be honest. I still have a few in there, I think. Uh, no, but I don't know what it was, but I think, what did I message you at like midnight or something? Midnight and 4 a.m. Because I knew, I knew that it, I was like, I was trying my best throughout that evening, Tuesday evening to make myself think that I would be fine. You know, we do this to ourselves. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not hungry at all. And looking at food makes me sick, but I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. I could barely, like, I barely even want to drink water, but it's fine. It'll pass once I get some sleep is what I thought. Well, I knew that it was probably not going to be the case. And sure enough, yeah, I ended up, what, messaging you two times. I was like, oh, okay, in between pukes, I'll let Scott know this is not happening. I also didn't want to obviously give anybody anything, even if I did stop puking. But it was for the best that I took the day off. I slept most of the day, and I feel like a million times better. Was it food poisoning, or did you have, like, food COVID or something like that? I have no idea. Food COVID. I don't know who I pissed off that they put this hex on me for, like, 12 hours, but it happened. Uh, And it does happen, and who knows? When you go out, you kind of roll the dice sometimes. You kind of do. And I don't don't even want to say where I went or anything, because I don't even know if that was it. I don't know if that was it, but I, I know that I just felt really off. Okay, well, I'm going to assume... You didn't have a chance to listen to yesterday's podcast. I did then. not. Okay. I did it on my own. And yesterday, what I wanted to do, and I'm actually a little bit humbled at just how many people have reached out by DM. Uh, there was tweets. There was Facebook posts. There was all sorts of stuff reaching out to say, thank you for saying that. There was a lot of people, and I kind of assumed this, but I didn't know for sure. There's a lot of people who are silently struggling right now that are watching their mortgage rate go up and they're just dreading the email or the letter they're about to get from their bank saying their rate has gone up. Because it went up, what is it, another half a percentage yesterday? Because I I did catch some of the news yesterday. They did it a half (laughs) point. So it's gone from 0.25 to 4.25, over seven increases since March. And, and there's people that just flat out said, this is the one I, I did now I was struggling before this one is the fatal one. And, and I just, yeah. I feel so bad for people. But part of my goal yesterday was to help people understand how it's working and why we're in the situation we're in, but also to let people know you're not alone. I'm struggling. 
everyone is struggling. Anyone that pays rent or has a mortgage is struggling right now. Uh, Car loans, lines of credit, credit cards, you're getting further and further underwater. And if you're wondering how you're going to make ends meet, don't think for a second that you're alone. A lot of people in this country are because, like I said yesterday, it's a war on the middle class for some reason. So please don't suffer in silence. Talk about this. Let's get these conversations happening because I feel like our leaders need to know that we're not going to be passive about this one. This is not one that we're just going to roll over and take anymore. Well, we took the first six. The seventh one, I hope this is the one that breaks the camel's back. This is the straw that we needed to get people angry, to get people fired up, and start organizing. Join a a political party that you happen to believe in. Go ahead and do that. Make sure you're telling your story online. When you don't see mainstream media covering this, because for whatever reason they're not, they'll say, oh yeah, interest rates went up another half point, and then just glance over it. There's real impact there, and the media is not covering the impact, probably because a lot of them are stupid and don't understand the economy. And I understand that. You don't want to talk about something that you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, fine, but you got to try. Maybe listen to yesterday's podcast and you'll understand a little more. My point is, We've got to normalize talking about this and how much people are struggling. And I think the more we do that, the more our leaders are going to realize this is a political opportunity to try and help. And the political opportunity of bankrupting the middle class, we're not going to take that. So if your leaders want to be back where they are for another four more years, they better get their asses moving. And we need to make sure that they understand that, that they work for us. And what they're allowing to happen right now is not okay. How do you lead the, I mean, do you feel like you should lead the charge on this? This is something you're passionate about. What do we do though? I mean, how do we, how do you go about that? Well, do you remember when COVID restrictions had reached fever pitch and everybody, I mean, everybody was losing their shit on Doug Ford because Doug left the restaurants closed or the hair salons got closed or the schools were closed again. There wasn't any one thing, but you could feel the anger in the air. You could feel it when you were on social media. You could feel it in conversations with people. I really want that same kind of anger about this because, again, those leaders need to understand. Justin Trudeau doesn't. He doesn't understand. He's never been in this situation. He's always been extremely wealthy. And you know what? He's got his own priorities in Ottawa. He's thinking about what comes after prime minister, probably hoping for a big job on a board of a Fortune 500 company or maybe even one of the top dogs at the U.N., That's what I hear is in store for Justin. So he doesn't give a shit about us. We really need to get this anger up. And those leaders in Ottawa need to feel it. You know, when the sponsorship scandal happened, I think people generally remember the sponsorship scandal. That was the end of liberal rule for over 10 years. That put Stephen Harper as the prime minister for 10 years because people were so fucking angry at what the liberals had done. They need to understand in Ottawa that the same kind of anger is growing, but this time it's on steroids. This time we're not going to do we're not going to allow them to try and take away our homes. We're not going to allow them to bury us so far in debt that none of us personally or as a country will ever recover. Enough's enough. It's got to stop. Let's feel that anger. Have these conversations on social media. If you are a hardworking person who has to go to a food bank because even though you're doing everything right and it's still not enough, our leaders need to hear it. And they need to hear this is the end of their career politically if they don't get off their asses and do something about this. And there is nothing wrong with a member of parliament going to his leader 
or her leader and saying, you got to turf the governor of the Bank of Canada. You've got to set new policy so that banks can't charge these excessive rates for someone who just wants to renegotiate their mortgage or who wants to bail out early. Imagine that. You've taken a bath on your house. The value has gone down so much in a year because of poor policy. And then you think, okay, fine, I got to sell. But because your mortgage hasn't reached term, if you sell now, it'll cost you an extra $60,000. These banks are making insane quarterly profits. They don't deserve even more money as penalties for us just trying to make it by. You've got to put that pressure on. Let's feel the anger out there. Let's make some progress here. Every single member of government right now should know how pissed off the public is. I almost wish the truckers would get back involved. They got shit done when they wanted to. Things changed after they did their thing. I, I almost kind of want to see a mass organizing of middle-class, hardworking people that are willing to to stand up to these assholes in Ottawa and say enough's enough. I bet you yesterday was fire because you're just going off today, Oh, I know, you? shit, and I didn't even want to do that <laughs> didn't today. Didn't you just do that for a half hour yesterday? I, Why are we still doing <laughs> I just wanted to tell people about yesterday's pod in case they didn't hear it. But you know what? It did. It, it really meant a lot to get some of the messages that I got and people telling me their story. So thank you for all of those. Let's start off today by doing something uh, or, or doing a, a segment here that I think applies to many of the people listening. How many people have a Christmas tree up already? Well, I shouldn't say already. We're 17 days yeah, away from Christmas. On. If you don't have it up, don't even bother at this point. <laughs> that's how I feel, but I'm that person that's extra early. I was actually talking to a girlfriend of mine who has three kids, um, and, and her third was born, or her, her middle child was born in November, at the end of November. So she came to my house before this, and I had the tree up, right? This is like, I don't know, November 20th-ish. And she's like, I'm jealous, but she wants to put it up. But the thing is, she struggles because she has a kid who celebrates a birthday at the end of November. She doesn't want to make it feel like she's trying to celebrate Christmas before her kid's birthday. I'm like, sucks to be you. Don't have a kid at the end of November then. Um, but yeah, there's some people who are like, now's their time that they put it up. Teach their own. I mean, if you're going to be like a Halloween style, because to me, that's Halloween styles. When you put up your Halloween decorations like a week in advance, that makes sense to me. I don't really like Halloween that much. So yeah, I'll do it like a week in advance. But December... It's it's before December for me. I celebrate Christmas in November, no problem. So to me, it seems late, but it's okay. Either way, you got to do. It. Either way, you want to do it. That's great. Popular Mechanics has published four important things that you need to know. These are the four things that will absolutely kill a fresh Christmas tree if you bought a real Christmas tree. Four ways to kill it for sure. So don't do any of these four things. The number one mistake people make. Forgetting to cut an inch or two off the bottom of the trunk before you put it in the tree base. When you get that tree, even if it's fresh cut from the forest, you take it home, you cut another inch off the bottom or two inches off the bottom. That gives it a, a fresh, direct access to the water. So make the cut. Number two, planting it in dirt. Kids might wonder why we put Christmas trees in water and not dirt. The answer is pores. Just like flowers, just like skin, you need to keep it alive as long as possible and it needs water. If you try and plant it in dirt, you have no idea what happens to a plant after you cut it and you're doing it wrong. Are there really people that brought dirt into their home and planted mm -hmm. the tree, actually planted an already cut tree I I've in never their living seen room? That. I have never seen that. Usually it's... Nope, the tree's there. Maybe they forgot to give it water and the pine needles all fall off. You don't do real tree, though, do you? 
Uh, I used to. You used See, to? I have three trees up. They're all artificial, but one of them is basically fucked. It looks like a, <laughs> a live tree come the end of January. It, it's got needles falling off of it that are plastic, and it's screwing with my Roomba, and, and it just looks like shit. It, it was pre-lit, and th- most of the strands don't work anymore. So I don't want to throw it out because it's still a nice tree. It's just, uh, it's not really functional anymore. So I might replace that with a real tree. I can tell you that if I do do that next year, I will not forget to water it, but that's one of the most common things people do. They say the general rule is a Christmas tree soaks up a quart of water a day for every inch in diameter the trunk is. So if the trunk is four inches, that's a gallon of water every day that you need to give your tree. People often think, I'll just fill up a... The glass I use when I brush my teeth and I'll pour it in the tree, it'll be great. No, it needs a lot more water than that. That's right. That's right. And then the struggle, there's so many struggles too with people with pets, for example, and then try to keep the pet away from it. You put a baby gate outside your Christmas tree. That's freaking weird. But some people do that just to stop the pets from drinking the water at the bottom. It seems like a lot of people are buying these collars. Do you know what I mean? Those tree collars. I think that's oh, what they're yeah, called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one. I have, um, you know, I love the different tree collars you can get now. Like, how come it took this many years? Like, how many years has Christmas been around? How come it took this many to get the beautiful, like, burlap? I have one of those, like, burlap stand-up ones. So that's like a hard shell basically around the bottom. Looks fucking great if I can stay so myself. Like I freaking love it. Or like even the fur lined ones, fine. Fake fur lined ones, that's great, beautiful. There's lots of different options. But the collars, I'm all about that style. That keeps the animals out. It keeps the animals out. Keeps the kids out if you want to. It keeps the kids out. Yes. The last tip from Popular Mechanics. Don't put it too close to a heat source. Heaters and radiators dry it out, and then it becomes a fire hazard. The best place for a tree is near a door or a window where it might get some fresh air once in a while. It's kind of remarkable that this needed to be said. I get reminding people to cut a little bit off the bottom, sure. But who the fuck planted their Christmas tree in dirt? You just cut it out of the ground, and then you want to put it back in dirt? That's stupid. No, you shouldn't put it on top of the heat register. Of course it's going to dry out. (laughs) Or cause a fire. Well, maybe it wouldn't cause a fire, but I would feel like it would. And yes, you have to water it. It's still alive. If you just bring the tree in your house and don't water it, you're going to end up with a pine needle mess. Are you still supposed to put like 7-Up or Sprite or something in the water or mix or something? Remember that was a thing once? Is that still a thing? I hear mixed reaction on that. Some people say they do it and it's great. Uh. Others say it's it's just a, an old wives' tale. Right. Uh, however you do it is fine. Just make sure it gets a lot of water. Like, yeah. God damn it, you got to feed the thing. Holy shit. Well, it's already dead and it's just got to keep it. it But it's alive still. It's alive for a little bit, I guess. It's kind of sad, though. It's also dead. It's not going to relive. If it dies on Boxing Day, it's lived a great life. You don't need to kill it before Christmas. That's silly. Uh, There's a manager who works at the Olive Garden in the States who is basically going viral right now for a letter that she sent to her staff. And I'm not going to shit on this girl. I'm not because I get where she's coming from and I understand why she's angry. And I think that there's a lot of people in management that are in the same, in a similar predicament. I also think there's a lot of employees that are going to feel attacked on this because you're probably guilty of it. So here's what this manager at the Olive Garden in Kansas wrote to her staff. Our call offs are occurring at a staggering rate. I think a call off is when you call in at the last minute and say you're not yeah. coming to work. Yeah, call in sick, basically. Sure. From now on, if you call off, you might as well go and look for another job. We're no longer tolerating any excuse for it. If you're sick, 
Come prove it to us. If your dog died, bring him in and prove it to us. If it's Whoa. A, if it's a family emergency and you can't say, too bad. Go work somewhere else. If you only want morning shifts, go work at a bank. If anyone from here on out calls, if anyone from here on out calls out more than once in the next 30 days, you do not have a job. Do you know in my 11 and a half years at Darden how many days I've called off? Zero. I came in sick. I got in a wreck literally on my way to work one time. Airbags went off and my car was totaled. But you know what? I made it to work on time. There are no more excuses. Us collectively as management have had enough. If you don't want to work here, don't. It's as simple as that. If you're here and want to work, then work. No more complaining about not being cut or not being able to leave early. You're in the restaurant business. Do you think I want to be here until midnight on Friday and Saturday? No, I'd much rather be at home with my husband and my dog, going to the movies or seeing family. But I don't. I'm dedicated to being here, as should you. No more excuses or complaints. I hope you choose to continue to work here, and I think we management make it as easy as possible on y'all. Thank you for your time. Thank you to those who come in every day on time and work hard. I wish there were more people like you. So you can tell this manager has had enough. Mm -hmm. Too many people calling in at the last minute saying, eh, I'm not coming in. Or, uh, I got to leave early. Uh, I'm going to be late. She's sick of it. And I get the sentiment. That's why I'm not going to shit on this manager. Now, from an HR standpoint, as I understand it, you're not allowed to say most of that. So she was fine. <laughs> you aren't. Especially the part where you're like, yeah, I've been sick as a dog and I still came in and touched people's foods. What's the problem, huh? Like, yeah, I've got problems with that, please. I understand that there's, okay, when you're a manager, <clears throat> and you know what? There's certain industries where it's an especially when you're a manager in. Restaurant can be one of them. There can be a good amount of turnover depending on the restaurant. That's just how it is, Right. So I understand that they deal with all kinds of shit and management in anywhere. It's kind of one of the reasons why I, I don't think I could ever handle being manager because I would probably do something just like that, Scott, and send in an email and then go, ah, fuck, they fired me. Listen here, fuckers. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm just, I don't know if I'm suited for it because I can't stand bullshit. I can't stand bullshit. And basically, that's what you do when you're a manager. You deal with a lot of bullshit. You deal with good people, too. You deal with great employees. You deal uh, with long-term employees that are there for you, that are dependable and reliable and always on time and appropriate and every sense of the word. Great. But then you deal with scum. And maybe it's only 20%, 15% of your employees. If let's say you employ like 100 people, maybe there's like 10 that are just fucking assholes. <coughs> and I get it. That happens. And especially when you're a manager and when you're in, and I worked at a restaurant many, many, many years ago. But of course, in any industry, this can happen where people call in sick, but you know, they're not sick. Because like a week ago, they were trying to get that shift cover to go see a concert. Now all of a sudden they're fucking sick. Give me a break. You know it's bullshit, but how do you prove it's bullshit? So you can write them up and you could try, but you have to go through the process. This was her way, I understand. Is it her, right? You said she. Is that correct? It's a she. Okay. Yep. So this was her way of attempting to stop all of that shit in its tracks. And I get that you're frustrated because, again, management deals with shit. But also in putting that memo out, you admitted that you went to work sick. The company doesn't really like that. And I'm sure that they don't encourage people to be like puking their brains out, still coming to work or potentially have COVID and still coming to work or any number of illnesses. You can't tell people that you still want them to come in when they're sick. That is a bad message. And if you're a representative of Olive Garden, as she is as a manager, 
it's a bad look. That's one of the things. And also some of the things that she said in there are just kind of a little, a little much. You understand the frustration, though, like fully. I, I get it. But that's just not the way to go about it. I agree. And I'm trying to see where she's coming from here. And I think this was sort of a tough love kind of thing. We all know there's a lot of people that are doing jobs that they don't give a shit about. They're just going in and going through the motions because they want to make a check. And some of them feel entitled, feel like they should be making more. They feel underappreciated, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I mean, that's your choice to stay there. And if you're going to stay there, you should at least do the job. If you're basically quiet quitting, which we learned (laughs) so much about in 2022. Sure we did. You're just pissing everybody off and wasting time. Move on. Go get something else or figure out a way with your employer to make it a better workplace for you. But calling in last minute, not coming to work at all, giving stupid excuses, it sucks. But again, like we said just like a week or two ago, we could solve this problem with flex days. I I really do think that we should have a certain amount of vacation days and a certain amount of flex days. Take sick days off the table altogether. Flex days, doesn't matter if you're sick, doesn't matter what your condition is, or maybe you just feel like taking a break, or it's Friday and it's nice outside, you want to go out for lunch, hit a patio. You should be able to use your flex days for that and not have it count against your vacation. I think that would address this problem, but But, but I also know that restaurants are completely different. It is. It's a totally different animal, and the problem with flex days in a restaurant, for example, is, okay, but that doesn't help the fact that now you're fucking over everybody else you work with. So, for example, how it would work in a restaurant is, let's say it's a busy night. Let's say it's a Friday night and someone calls in sick because it's usually going to be those times where it's harder to find coverage because you have so many people on the floor. So let's say you have six servers in one big restaurant on a Friday night. You calling in sick now has those people. And in some cases, it actually works out well. Maybe they're like, good, I want a couple extra tables. That means more money. But in other times, you're also really screwing them over if let's say there's only oh no there's only four people available and then you call in sick and now there's three trying to take on all of this responsibility you're kind of screwing over your colleagues too so again every industry is going to be different I totally love the flex day thing I'm still all for it I don't know if it would work in this industry unfortunately but that happens a lot I mean again as a manager you deal with a lot of that shit when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Young woman's laptop was stolen, and the thieves left a very cruel note behind. Imagine this. You've been robbed. That is such a violated feeling for anybody who's ever been through it. I totally understand. So this woman got robbed, and the thieves left a note. Sorry, you should take security seriously. Blame the council and get a refund for your laptops. Soy and a sad face. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh. And the person who got robbed shared this note 
and and she's obviously upset. It's like, I'm going to steal your laptop and I'm going to rub it in your face once it's gone, says Rachel, who is an international student who's studying in America. She described the note as really vindictive. She describes herself as a broke university student and now has to pay well over $1,000 to get a new computer, not to mention most of her work that was saved on the actual device is now gone right before her final semester of studies. People are getting really <laughs> asshole-ish, wow. right? Like that's next level. That's that's, that's not terrible. just a thief. That's just a real asshole. But when you read into this a little bit, and I'm I'm reading the note, sorry, you should take security seriously. Blame the council and get a refund for your laptops. Are there thieves out there that think it's basically a victimless crime? I can rob this person because somebody else will take care of them. Is that really the way people think? Because I really have a feeling this student's going to have a hard time getting a replacement laptop unless she does what she's doing now, going public with it. Because I'm pretty sure someone will start a GoFundMe, and before you know it, she'll own, like, shares in Microsoft. Won't just have a new laptop. She's not getting a Chromebook, <laughs> That's basically. usually how it goes, right? Because people feel for you because nobody wants to be put in that position. Like, that's terrible. Again, who does that? Can we stop being assholes? Everybody. When is it ever going to stop? Well, stop being assholes to each other. If you yeah. want to be assholes to your... No, don't be an asshole to anybody. Anybody. Check that. Let's just be nice. Uh, On The View the other day, which I don't normally watch. (laughs) By the way, you rarely start sentences with, on The View the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. I I usually don't watch that show because I find it very, very biased and slanted. Sure, I totally agree with you. It's it's, it's irritating. It's extremely irritating to even watch right now. And I like a couple of members of the panel. Don't get me wrong. But them all together, I can't even. Sunny, is that her name? Sunny, mm-hmm. is that one of the panelists mm-hmm. on The View? Mm-hmm. Okay, so she was telling the story the other day. She's got a 20-year-old son, and she's actually upset because a woman in her 30s mm-hmm. is taking her 20-year-old son on a date. Ooh. This, 20 or 20-something? Uh, no, he's 20. Okay. The woman is in her 30s. Oh. Basically, the way it works out is the woman is closer in age to the mom, Sunny, <laughs> than she is to the son who she's going out with. Okay. that's Yeah, that is weird. Is this a for problem? Her, for her as a mom, I think it'd be weird, right? Well, Sunny said she doesn't like this. She's obviously struggling with the thought of a grown, mature woman taking her 20-year-old son, basically still a kid, out on a date. We've talked about it before in the reverse. Yeah woman dating an older man, it is still a little different, like it or not, when it's a younger guy and an older woman. I feel like most guys would be like, yeah, good for him. Have a good time. But I'm wondering what women think of that. Okay, I'm, I am. Imagine you going out with a 20-year-old. That's what I'm trying to figure out is why would you want to date a 20-year-old if you're a woman in your 30s? Stamina, endurance. I I mean, I've had zero issues with that. I, I I really think that there might be more. Why would you want to? No, it's a 20-year-old. You know, they still have a lot to figure out in life. I feel like you'd be going backwards. That's how I feel. I, there's no fucking way I'd be able to hold a conversation romantically, especially, and with the, that kind of thing with a 20-year-old barely man. Nope. I just don't see it. That's me. Okay, but at one point, you were probably really, really into 20-year-old men. When I was 20. Or maybe even a little younger, right? Yeah, but it doesn't, this is not, but that's not the situation we're talking about. We're talking about what? Like someone in maybe close to their mid thirties? Like, I, did she say exactly how old? Didn't say exactly how old. Yeah, I just don't understand why you would want to. I don't know. I, I, I'm a woman in my thirties. If I was dating right now for some reason, 
Uh, there's no fucking way I'd date a 20-year-old. No fucking way. I'm trying to think of how I would react if my son came home, who's 21, by the way, okay. and, and said, hey, I'm dating a new... What if I started dating your son? How would you... <laughs> <laughs> I tell him to it's delete weird. the TikTok app because it's fucking irritating <laughs> when you get it live and on tape all day. <laughs> However, I, I I don't know. Like I'm honestly weird. trying to figure out how I would feel about that. I think I have to let an adult be an adult, and whether you like it or not, at 21 or 20, you are technically an adult. And I think that this is an area where I could offer some advice, but I'm certainly not yeah. going to lay down the law or make it clear that I don't approve. Sure. Well, that's the thing, right? And it's not like he's asking for her advice. And I'm sure any 20-year-old in this in this situation who's interested in an older woman is not going to go asking their mom for their for the advice. And just like anybody, right? No matter who it is dating someone who's older, it's not like you're like, mom or dad, what do you think about me dating someone who's 15 years older than me? Like, <laughs> They're never going to give you like a, yeah, great idea. Like they're always going to give you advice if you're willing to. Of course, you can't be like, no, you absolutely can't. Because like you said, once you start going down that path, they're going to say, huh, okay, screw you. And, and they're going to date the person anyway, no doubt about it. But I understand her her questioning it, I guess. Again, just as a woman in that age bracket, I don't understand dating a 20-year-old and what the allure is. I don't. Hmm. Older women know some shit. They tend to be a little more open-minded well, from how, time to time. Notice how I'm not saying anything about him. I'm talking about her. Yep. <laughs> I can only tell you from that perspective, that's a fucking no for me. But <laughs> if a 20-year-old young man wants a little more experience in life and wants to learn a thing or two, from that perspective, yeah, she, I understand. She's probably a little more financially stable. All the things. She, there's lots of different yes. things. Billionaire Ken Griffin. He is the founder and CEO of Citadel and Citadel Securities. It's a hedge fund. They do pretty well, as most hedge funds do. And many of them are thriving right now because of the economic situation we find ourselves in. Griffin decided to dip into his own fortune and do something nice for his staff this year after what he described was a great year. He has 10,000 staff worldwide, by the way. He decided he was going to treat them all to a trip to Disney. Wow. Griffith, sorry, Griffin, phoned down to Disney and told them what he wanted to do. He needed the park for about 10,000 people, all of his employees. He, on his own dime, flew them in from New York, Houston, Paris, Zurich, and other cities around the world. Wow. He paid for their hotel. He paid for their park tickets. He paid for their meals. And apparently they ranged from lamb chops to sushi to paella. He even brought in some entertainment for afterwards when the park closed. Oh, so cool. Saturday night, the staff was treated to a show from Coldplay. <laughs> they also saw Diplo and Carly Aww. Rae Jepsen. Oh, cool. All of it paid, not just for the 10,000 employees, for their families as well. Well, that's a work perk for sure. It's a total work perk. And he didn't have to do it. He hasn't done it in the past. This was a major splurge. Probably cost him millions of dollars I'm guessing to they, do had, that. they had a good year, obviously. I, I'm thinking that it yeah. was probably a good year for anyone in the banking and hedge fund sure. and investment industry. As long as you're not in crypto, I have a feeling you did pretty well <laughs> in 2022. What do, the, what do the crypto office parties look like this year? Oh, fuck. <laughs> a prison cell. <laughs> Um, in any case, we, we talked about this on our morning radio show and we're going to talk about it tonight on our evening radio show. I, uh, I, I love hearing about the different perks that certain people get from their work. I think the best one I heard, somebody texted in and said, our work perk is really cool. We get a gas card where we can fill up our tank four times a month. 
And there's probably a limit on it. Maybe what? I think the average fill-up these days from a, a mid-sized sedan to a small SUV would be between 50 and 70 bucks. So that's probably what the limit is. But if work came to you with a gas card every month that had, say, 280 bucks on it, that's life-changing. That's extra money right in your pocket. And there's no requirement that they have to use the car for work. It's just a perk to make sure people get to the job. That is a perk. A, you're making sure that they're covered so that they never have to worry about that, even if they do live just a few minutes from from work, let's say, or 10 minutes, 15 minutes or something, which wouldn't require you to even fill up the tank that many times. But it also gives you a little more freedom, too. It gives your employees a little more freedom on a weekend, for example, to not have to worry about the price of gas if they want to go drive somewhere to take the family somewhere, right? All those things add up. Small things are good, too. It doesn't have to be something massive like this hedge fund guy, right? It doesn't have to be something that big. I think that work perks, and you know what? Honestly, Scott, I think some people would rather like a lot of small things day to day than one big event where Diplo's your DJ. Like, don't get me wrong, that's fucking sweet. And oh, yeah. If that was offered to us, you bet your ass I'm packing my bags and I'm taking my family. However, the small things are, are meaningful too, you know? So what about this? He did this out of the kindness of his heart because he values his employees and wanted to say thank you and make a big production out of how great the company is. As an employee, if he came to you and said, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. All 10,000 staff and their families. We're going to Florida three days. Coldplay is going to play one night for a private concert just for our staff. Diplo's going to do a set. Carly Rae Jepsen's going to perform. It's your meals, your flight, your hotels, and your park tickets. It's going to cost me about $5,000 per person. Would you like to come on the trip or would you like the $5,000? Yeah. Which would you yeah. take? So I love, I mean, uh, the trip is an experience, right? And if you could take your family with you, that's cool too. <sighs> but the money can be, I feel like this is going to be like a 50-50 split for, for most companies where you're going to have people be like, yeah, but you also have to spend time with your colleagues. And some people, that's not really a perk <laughs> because they're still going to be talking work and hey, your, ne your hotel room's next to a gym and accounting and you're going to be talking to him the whole time. You know, so for it, uh, everyone's different. Would I, you know what? I would probably go. Honestly, I would probably take it because I wouldn't want to feel like I didn't appreciate the experience of it, the trip portion of it. But I would also understand those who would want to take the cash. Absolutely. Especially mm. these days. Would you be the person who would pipe up and say, hey, this is great that you're taking us all to Florida. Thank you. That's so kind. But by my math, it works out to about $5,000 a person that you're paying. How about you don't do that and just give us all a $5,000 yeah. bonus? Could the work guy say, you know what? You ungrateful prick. No, you're not getting five grand and you're not coming to Disney. Well, a good point to mention too is the taxable benefits, right, of gifting. Mm -hmm. things, does that count for money and bonuses as much as it does for gifts in terms of trips? Well, one, does it? one thing I know about hedge fund managers is they love their tax loopholes. Yes, so they I'm do. So I'm going to assume that there was some tax advantage I, to doing it this I'm way. I'm thinking so, especially over the cash, which is why they probably didn't offer the, the employees cash over this. The number one perk that we heard from people that texted in this morning was discounts from that particular business. We heard from uh, one person, It's an, he's in the auto industry, he gets 70% off That's great. cars and parts and labor. 70% off. That's incredible. Uh, someone else who works in a vet office gets 70% off and says that's why they have too many pets. <laughs> I like that. I vet, vet bills can add up. I feel like I would maybe consider getting more pets if I got 70% off. 
but you're doing most of the work. I'm sure you're doing all the paperwork for it and all the other stuff, but still, hey, that's a cool perk. One more text that came in. This one was from Jen. My work is very family oriented. They make sure we take care of any personal appointments and obligations before we make our work schedule with our clients. We also have team meetings quite often where they bring in lunch. Even that is a simple little perk that you get at work that I feel like not everybody gets. That's really nice, isn't it? Yeah, that is nice. I like that. Quickly, your best perk that you ever got from work. Can you think of it? Oh my gosh. Well, see mine, you know what? I like a lot of mine that I've had through the years, okay? If I may be boasty, boasty for a second. Okay. But doing what we do for a living, we get perks that you can't buy, that money can't buy. Mm-hmm. So a lot of experiences that I've had are do follow under that category of it's a work perk. So they weren't necessarily gifts that were given to me. Like, here, cat, you know, here's $50. Have, have Merry Christmas. Or, hey, you know, whatever. I've, I've been at hotel stays. I've done all this stuff. But the shit that you can't buy that I know of, I'm sure maybe for a lot of money you could, like partying backstage with Calvin Harris, you know, hanging out with, uh, with celebrities. I was on stage right next to Calvin Harris as he was DJing. Mm-hmm. Like the only one on stage with him. Like shit like that, again, you can't buy. And so to me, those were all like work perks. I thought I, I can do this and it's not like I could sit there and buy a ticket to it. I can't. So for me, it's that shit that, you, that money actually can't buy that I would consider some of the best perks I've ever had. And despite that, you'd probably still rather have the perk that like Rogers employees get, like half off their cell phone base. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like those day-to-day perks are freaking sweet too. If you can get, you know, a discount on something that that adds up to your family. There's some people who work in, in restaurants or in places with food that get to bring food home to their family every day. Like all those things can add up real quick. Sure. I think one of the cool, one of the cool things I did, and I only worked there for a very short time, but they brought us for a weekend to the Muskoka to Muskoka and it was just us as a team. So no spouses, no partners, no nothing. All you can eat food and drink. They had like a team building shit during the day, couple things, but it was, uh, the, the Molson Molson used to rent this particular house out. It's the, on the nicest Island that you could find in Muskoka, just next to Kevin O'Leary, basically like Very one nice. of those beautiful spots. I thought it was cool, but I actually didn't like that they did that with all the employees. Hopefully he wasn't out on the boat. When he you wasn't were in the on the boat. He was on the boat. I remember being on the ski-doo, but I didn't have my boat license at that time. So somebody else was doing it. But um, the thing I didn't like about that, though, is that then you're kind of just surrounded by work people the whole time. And then uh, you can't help but talk about work, even though you're not supposed to be there for that reason. But I felt like they kind of forced us to talk about work. And I, I didn't really like that that much about the trip aspect of it. Okay, so for me, uh, I have a number of different jobs, but I'll focus on radio for a second. And I've been blessed to do a lot of great things. I've gone on tour with Rihanna and and uh, yeah, uh, again, to the Coors that, Light Mystery yes, Mansion Party in Kelowna right, and yeah. all that sort of shit. And it was all great. I'm going to tell you one quick story to wrap it up. I had done a lot of traveling for work and it was a combination of work-related stuff and business-related stuff in that they were uh, applying for new radio licenses and things like that. And I always had to fly across the country and be part of the team that That's applied. right, yeah. So we had just finished- You were voluntold, as I remember. <laughs> yes, exactly. We had just finished a gauntlet of a tour. We were on the road so much and I was still doing the morning show remotely at the time. And I remember when we finally got back and we could put our feet up, the boss said- Okay, we got one more trip, but this one's going to be a fun one. We're going to Vegas. And I thought, yeah, fucking right. Giddy That's up. great. Let's go to Vegas. So we got to Vegas, and I didn't have any details on this trip other than where we were going and when we would be back and the flight times. We landed in Vegas, and they were handing out the itineraries to the people who got invited on the trip. And I looked at mine, and it said the Las Vegas Value Inn. 
<laughs> it's off the strip. Like, off the strip. Like, they were honest to God. Oh, you can tell by the title of the hotel that it's off the strip. It was, like, adjacent to the airport, and I swear to God, at the hotel across the parking lot, they were actually what? filming an episode of Cops. What? At the time they were. Why do they put value in the title of shit? Like, that is the key to knowing that that place is a piece of shit. If they put value in it, it's probably not going to be very... It's not going to be upper scale. Let's just put it that way. That's right. The so value. I'm, I'm looking at the itinerary because I'm trying to figure out where I've got to go and I got to <laughs> grab a cab. for your buck motor in. Like, no fucking thanks. <laughs> so I look at it and it says the Las Vegas value in. I looked at my boss and I'm like, the Wait. Las Vegas value in. I, do, do you know anything about that hotel? He said, no, I'm staying at Bally's. Have fun. <laughs> Love him, but that was an I asshole. I love move. that. I love that. <laughs> oh, he's fantastic. Have yourselves uh, a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow to wrap up another week <laughs> of After Nine. Bye. If you're waiting to buy a Christmas tree, you better hurry because due to high demand and low supply, prices are soaring. I'm trying to get ahead of this. That's why every night on the way home, I cut one branch off the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. <laughs> Yankee superstar Aaron Judge has decided to stay in New York, agreeing to a nine-year, $360 million contract. When he heard that, Babe Ruth said, what the hell I got paid in peanuts and Cracker Jacks? Regulators in Minnesota this week accused a marijuana edibles company of selling gummy bears that were 50 times more powerful than what is legally allowed to be sold. This actually happened last year, but all the witnesses just woke up. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it.